Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany, and all without saying, Alter Schwede. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com, and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Maddox, who's been winning at poker and horse racing. So, Simon, you like a bet on the nags, do you? <laughs> well, you're not ready for that. I wasn't for that. ready for that at all. <laughs> nags. I don't mind a flutter. No, I don't really care about betting that much, and horse racing always feels like one of those things that if you aren't in the know it's really easy to throw your money away uh, I don't mind betting on football mm-hmm. or something that I'm, I, I care about but um, horse racing has never been my thing but yeah every St. Patrick's Day our group of friends at least for the last 20 years uh, have a foundation a meeting in one of the pubs in Nuremberg and one of our friends uh, Thesp uh, organises uh, the horse racing and like, works as a bookie for us effectively for the day uh, this year Stu took the reins and we streamed horse racing from Cheltenham together and yeah came out I came out pretty well and poker I, I had an online game with some friends from uni shout out Phil and Dave uh, and yeah I ended up taking their money uh, so that was really nice as well so yeah it's, it's been successful uh, my, my best financial week for, as a gambler that's for sure <laughs> I think I think I should probably just give you all my money to bet with because anytime I make any bet at all I'll, I'll like, like I'm never I never win on St. Patrick's Day, I didn't oh, do it this year because uh, I'm a responsible parent and I can't, <laughs> I can't gamble my child's inheritance away, <laughs> such as it is. Yeah, so I, I ended up like not doing it this year. But I mean, I'll say this for Thesp. Let's be honest, right? It's it's curious that he's also the bookie. He also seems to win a lot. Yeah, I think it's pre pre recorded races from Cheltenham we're watching. To be fair, my, my biggest win, uh, and also Heiko, uh, he got his biggest win. Our friend Heiko did very very well on this horse. It was called Put the Kettle On. Uh, so there were quite a few of us that picked, put the kettle on uh, because, yeah, that's a perfect name for anyone that cares about English culture. Put the kettle on. Thank you very much, whoever you are out there, you lovely horse. I usually choose the, <laughs> choose the horse that's called, like, glue factory or dog food ingredient. That's how the trainers get you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, add a bit of a gamble. And another thing can often be uh, deemed a gamble and can just about get us into our topic of the day is driving your car. Uh, so at last week's episode, uh, we looked at the topic of cars. We talked about trabbies and other such things. Uh, but what we didn't really get into was a discussion of whether or not either of us uh, are prone to a bit of the old road rage. Uh, so Nick, uh, do you are you someone that comes over all aggressive when driving in your little up exclamation mark? I think I said last week there's nothing sadder than an angry man in a small car. So I try not to, but I know like my wife's told me to stop shouting and, and swearing when I'm driving. There's plenty of instances where I've just gone off it. I, I'm not the kind of person who drives people down or uh, flicks the V's at people or, or gives people the middle finger. I, I do have some choice words for, for drivers who, are, who aren't very careful, but it's not very becoming, is it? to sort of lose your mind in a car and do you do this in english or german when you lose your mind are you screaming like german profanities or are you, are you re- re- reverting to mother tongue no, I like this? you've got to you've got to go back to the mother tongue for for the decent swear words i don't have a massive affinity for german swear words i do enjoy i do enjoy some of the more choice english language the fact that you can compose very interesting swear words by taking a swear and then chucking in a noun Mm -hmm. that's always fun so that's always entertaining or we have a lot more flexibility i'd say when it comes to to english language swears i think it also throws people right off like if you are if they are expecting 
a sort of a shouting confrontation in their own language and you hit them with English. I've seen it multiple times where mm. people are just like, eh, what? <laughs> what? And that really helps, I think. Uh, it puts you in the driving seat. <laughs> what about you? Do you get do you get angry on the road? I like the idea that no. you, with your massive beard, terrifying people on the roads. No, I don't really get shouty. No. I mean, if someone drives like an absolute moron or drives dangerously, I'll... I'll definitely mutter things to myself but i've always kind of felt that screaming from one car to another is very ineffective and mm. i've got zero interest in getting to a physical fight uh, with someone about their driving and uh, so no road rage isn't something I've, I've fallen prey to what about have you ever been a victim of it have you ever been like followed by someone or had someone like try and get out of their car and intimidate you no not really not really maybe it's just the fact that people feel sorry for me because i'm driving a, a small car or maybe it's <laughs> maybe people aren't just aren't intimidated by by my countenance i have no idea uh, most of the time it's it's the kind of stuff that we talked about last week where you have people coming up behind you really uh, really close mm. and and flashing their lights if you if you lose your rag it never it just never looks good and you always feel a bit embarrassed afterwards or at least i do if i lose my rag uh, you feel a bit stupid because you're like you're just in a car like it's not yeah but there is something this we, we separate from the reality because if you're walking down the street and someone walked in your way or like bumped you in the supermarket with their trolley you're never going to turn around and be like, you fucking idiot out there. But when you're in this metal death box, suddenly you feel safe uh, to, to be so critical uh, of someone else. Yeah. Do you think it's different in the UK? Do you think there's more... I, have a, I feel like it's more aggressive. It's slower. It's a lot more aggressive, mm. I'd say, in my experience, yeah. I've never seen anyone get out of a car and walk towards another car here in a threatening manner, and I saw that quite often in the UK. Yeah. happened to me once um, I was following a car uh, out of Guildford um, got to a, a junction and the passenger got out walked towards my car and, it, and he started screaming at me being like you've got your full beams on and blah, blah, and tried to like reach into my car uh, to like turn my lights down before he got to like flash them and then showed that they're on low beam not on high beam and then he like de-escalated but yeah he, he tried to put his hands in my vehicle and I was like 18 mm just past my driving tests that was a pretty intimidating moment i mean you talk about british culture being quite repressed do you think that's what it is it's just like seething seething masses in these the, like what, what do you call them death boxes yeah. like the, it's almost a release or because uh, we've talked about britain be a socially violent country like things can escalate very quickly in, into a fight but like when i speak to my mates in britain and we talk about these kinds of topics they've always got a horror story they've always mm -hmm. got like a horror story about something like very similar to what you said a, a lot of my friends especially those who have moved to London and made that their home, have been victims of unprovoked violence. Just getting punched by strangers walking down the street. A, a very, yeah, it's terrifying. But I think we develop, in, especially in England, if you're from a town, you have to learn the sort of uh, self-preservation bar. So if somebody says to you, what are you doing? You have to be able to go back louder and harder to sort of balance it and if you and you go oh sorry like that's it like that person is then going to escalate it and take further advantage so we have a different sort of bullying mm -hmm. approach to confrontation and i think from what i've seen anyway in comparison to germany when i see people being confronted here people in the back of their minds think well i'm protected like there is a legal framework that we'll be able to go through later in time and that will be a solution and I think English people just think, if I don't stand up for myself now, I'm going to be taken advantage of. All the days and hours and nights of drinking in pubs in Germany, 
I've yet to see a proper fight. Scuffle, I've seen, but not a fight. In England, like, no, that was something you'd see on most nights out. And yeah, it's something that's mm. very easy to take for granted. I've fallen asleep on U-Bahns and stuff like that, and I've never had, <laughs> like, I would do never that do lot, that. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, it was at a real period where it was like, I would get fall asleep on an S-Bahn or an U-Bahn. It was never an issue, you never, like, people would wake you up at stops and stuff and go, oh, I think this is yeah. your stop and things like that. There's like this notion of banter, which is a key part of English culture and something that I, I love dearly doing with my friends. Play with the wrong person, and next thing you know, you could be in a very serious situation and yeah I, I don't think that exists to the same level here in Germany and I've not seen it night outs in London that was yeah don't look in the eyes until you know someone uh, is probably a pretty good way to go about it unfriendly sometimes the thing that also came to mind is like the phrase what are you looking at mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard that in German I haven't heard anyone be like what are you looking at and like pulling someone out of the crowd or someone in the proximity but like that is something that is a pretty standard thing to hear on a Friday or Saturday night in an English city. So I'll be like, what the fuck are you looking at? And how you handle that can, can lead to a good evening or a bad evening. But that kind of impending threat doesn't exist here, uh, in my experience at least. And yeah, very, very thankful. I definitely don't miss it. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's that thing as well when you've got, and something I used to tell students who were going to the northeast of England for exchanges, be aware that mm-hmm. the, the staring culture is different. And I've written blogs about it and people like seem to be really mm-hmm. irritated when I talk about it because there's a big difference between what is it appropriate levels of staring in Germany and what's appropriate in Britain? In Britain, it's not appropriate at all to stare at anything ever. Like if you're caught like looking at someone, everyone looks away, you know, very quickly. You don't stare and you don't linger. Whereas what was mm. noticeable almost as soon as I'd arrived in Germany was that people stare a little bit longer or they will just, you'll look up and someone's staring directly at you on a on a train. Mm-hmm. And and I say, I'd say to the groups, like every, nearly every fight I've ever seen starts with the phrase that you just mentioned. What are you looking at? What are you staring at? It's, it's an excuse to, to cause yeah. problems. There was an incident a few years ago when I went to Newcastle with members of the German family. And there was this, we're in a square in the city at the centre of Newcastle. And there was just this group of like mid twenties sort of kids, and there were you could they were drinking, and there were it was like middle of the day, and there's all the sort of stuff that you would recognise in English cities. One, I think one of them hit the other, someone hit someone, and he ran off, or there was some altercation. It got very loud and very aggressive, very like instantaneous aggression, as we've mentioned. My German, my German family were just like popcorn out you know totally staring and I, t- I literally turned my back and I was looking at them and they were staring behind us and I was like stop staring at them now and they were like why and they just kept staring I was like no just stop staring at them now just stop staring at them now and they stopped staring they were like why do we need to stop staring and I was like because they'll come over and they're like oh they won't do and I was like trust us this is this is my culture like they will do and it, it's it's not it's not to say to denigrate British culture or to insult German culture particularly it's just a fact of the situation that there is a different it's certainly a difference in, in what's acceptable and what's not. But and it is something to be aware of, I think, definitely. Uh, so it happened to me the other day. I was walking uh, out with the wife and I can't just let it slide. I'm not going to be like, what are you looking at? But I am going to be like, yeah, can we uns? Like, do we know each other? And yeah, people seem to think it's totally cool just to stare at my at my face. It's, I can't I can't take it as a compliment yet. <laughs> I like staring at your face. Please don't shout at me. This is us locking eyes on webcam. <laughs> it's, one, it's a wonderful moment. Yeah. <laughs> 
So to bring it back to the notion of road rage, we found uh, an interesting thing on Twitter, and this is a list from Busgeldcatalog.org, and this is freely available everywhere. Beleidigung im Straßenverkehr, the phrases and words that you can use whilst driving that can result in punitive charges or even imprisonment in extreme cases. It speaks out clearly against insults in road traffic. So the basic legal rule stipulated for correct driving is participation in road traffic requires constant caution and mutual consideration. So mutual consideration. I have always referred to it as Christian driving, like letting someone go before me. (laughs) Christian driving. That's that's what I've always called it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, like letting someone out of a junction or letting someone come in before me. Like I always thought that was the right thing to do and sort of baby Jesus would pay me off down the road. And for me, this has always been the essence of like creating smooth traffic flow. Like if you let people in, then that's smoother than them fighting together and causing a kerfuffle. So when traffic is bad and tempers are running high, it's pretty easy to fling out an insult at the offending driver. Turns out you can say a lot of things, but there's a fine for that. Freedom of speech is is pretty expensive when it comes down to it, and insulting someone on the road can even land you in jail, as I said earlier. The quote in in English is, the offence is punished with imprisonment for up to one year or with a fine, and if the offence is committed by means of assault, with imprisonment for up to two years or with a fine. So if I swear at someone in a very aggressive way, I can get a year's prison maybe. And if I fight them as well, I can get another year on top for the swearing. So yeah, Germany being Germany, uh, there's a catalogue of these terms, and this is where the fun begins. The first thing we have on this list is die Zunge herausstrecken. And in English, of course, that is to stick your tongue out at somebody. I love this. I love it. So, I mean, for me, when I think of tongue out, it's like the height of childish rebellion. <laughs> How much do you think it is for that, Nick? For sticking your tongue out at a fellow driver? 35 euros. You'd hope it would be that little. 150 euros, that is. <laughs> so, like, oh dear. I mean, this is a gesture. You're trying your best not to be offensive. You're just being like, hmm. And 150 and I don't know if this is per family member, so if you've got like a chorus of tongues out from all the kids, it could end up at like 600 euros if you've got a, a normal-sized family. I don't, I don't understand why, first off, why you would do it. I, I guess in, in Germany, it has to be the reason it's happened, so they've now got a fine for <laughs> exactly it. I can't it, believe sure. it, like someone's done it. And you got to wonder, like, what's, what, was, what was your aim there? Like, is it... You, there's got, got to be better ways of, of, of showing your dissatisfaction with the situation than sticking your tongue out at a, at a, at a motorist. But It's such yeah, a mild protest. It's really gentle. I mean, even if you're sticking it like trying to lick the other driver, like at that point it becomes <laughs> offensive. But oh, no, yeah. then, then I'll be like definitely fine and I think a fine's totally acceptable if someone's trying to uh, lick me unsolicited. <laughs> you know, that's... I'm not having that. I'll pay for that. <laughs> yeah, damn right. Okay, so this one is... I think this is more directed towards if you do this to the police, right? I think, to be honest, pretty much all of these are with mm-hmm. the police in mind because to be charged for these crimes, there has to be proof of it, and that's very difficult, but obviously the police would have cameras and do have the ability to just document everything you say, whereas if I just say, he told me to go fuck myself and there's no evidence of it, like, there can't really be a prosecution. So I think these are all basically with the police in mind. If you were to say, do Machen, calling someone a little girl, uh, to a police officer, you could receive a fine of up to 200 euros. It's like, what is that all about? Of all the insults I could think of coming to, if, if I was to be an angry person, calling someone 
Dumitian seems uh, very odd. We are starting at the bottom and working our way up, so we'll see uh, how serious these things get. The next one we have is uh, a word that I learnt uh, not in a German language uh, class or at school. Uh, I definitely learnt this from my wife and her uh, outbursts on the road. Beklopter. Um, (laughs) So beklopter uh, translates generally as like a crazy person as a beklopter or a lunatic. Uh Um, uh-huh. I, I quite like the romo- the I quite like the romance of the word lunatic. Um, it sort of makes me think of the moon. But yeah, calling someone a beklopter uh, could be two fifty, two hundred fifty euros for calling someone crazy. I mean, in what context? If you gave me a ticket, and I went, "Oh, that's crazy." Are they going to come at me? You know, are they going to find me? Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I definitely. But what if would it have... was crazy though? What if it was crazy? <laughs> I mean, my, the one time I got a driving uh, fine was in America, and I got a two hundred dollar fine for going for going nine miles an hour over the speed limit, and that certainly felt crazy that it was that much. But yeah, luckily, I was allowed to to say that. Poor, oh, that's expensive, and the policeman didn't charge me another two hundred on top, which was very kind of him. <laughs> Next up, I like this insult. This is a fun one. I like uh, I like this. Um, Dumber coup. Uh, so calling someone uh, a less than intelligent bovine will uh, land you with a three hundred euro fine. Is it the scale of the fine in relation to the respect that Germans hold for cows? Is that what it is? I mean, <laughs> we're going to deal with a lot of animal ones, which is really really interesting that there are so many of these that contain animal references. So I think it says a lot about the agrarian culture that Germany has sprung from. <laughs> yeah, calling someone a dumb cow—that really seems three hundred seems a lot. And also, I don't know from this list if if you call someone a cow, is that 250? And then the dumb cow escalates it? Because we are going to see that the adjectives modify the fine dramatically uh, when it comes to these animal ones. But it's not gendered, though, is it? Because if you call someone a cow, it's usually seen as a gendered insult in the yeah. UK, but it doesn't seem to be a gendered insult in Germany. I, I don't know. To be honest, I'm not sure. No one's ever called me a dumaku. I know that much i'd be inclined to agree with them if you insulted me and called me a dumb coup i'd be like yeah probably i mean coup is 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 the female of the species so i guess it has to have a gender element to it so yeah answers on a postcard (laughs) (laughs) the next one we have is leck mcdoch i hate this one it's disgusting this is a really uncomfortable one i think for foreigners because it just does it feels weird so leck mcdoch is uh lick me uh and it's Lick my arse is like the normal full phrase with lick my ass. Asking someone to lick your ass or pointing in the direction of this is a 300 euro fine. I say this is weird to a non-native. Kiss my ass is more like a, there's a level of disrespect because there's a deference in the kissing element of it. But it's the lick me bit and I'm just like, like really, do we have to go to that level of familiarity, you know? You do hear this everywhere. Like I've seen this in corporate environments. Someone just said, oh, lick me. Really? Yeah, quite informal yeah. corporate environments, but it wasn't like in a, in a meeting, but... I've, I've heard this used by professionals. When I hear it, it definitely makes me... I mean, the visual is pretty strong, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty pretty foul. So let, let's leave arses behind for now and go back to the realm of animals. Yes, I've got the animal <laughs> ones, haven't I? Du blöde Schwein. Uh, so we had dumb cow, which was 250 euros, but a stupid pig, 475 euros. What's the beef with pork? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, another animal one. Another adjective strengthening the fine by the looks of it. Pig is obviously, it's a derogatory term for the police, so I guess it's the same in Germany. So, And also, Schwein is like one of the worst things you can say. 
it's a real like solid insult if you called someone a schwein like it's it's got a lot more power in, mm. in german than it does in english if i called someone a pig it's usually because they have a slobby existence or they're like eating in a particularly untidy way or they're disheveled but yeah i would never dream of calling a police officer a pig i think i'm not i'm not that rebellious well it is a crime in the uk as well yeah yeah you can't call a police officer a pig so I'm, i remember at school we'd like people people would be like mm, smells like bacon like to avoid mm-hmm. saying the word pig the, these kinds of references but yeah this is definitely aimed at uh, the police i guess here but, i mean this is something you hear as a general insult of oh, fine shrine like it could be like a chauvinist an old-fashioned man i guess would be hit with a shrine more um, but i'm also a big fan of the word ferkel now do crown is ferkel you little piglet i think that's quite cute <laughs> But you also get people like on a cold day people go alright it's a sow cold and you're like mm-hmm. it's pig cold I don't yeah. huh but then things are also schweiner schweiner toya yeah really expensive a schweiner toya like pig pig um, expensive so yeah the pigs are definitely infiltrated the language yeah yeah, yeah really hard <laughs> exactly really hard really charming but it makes no sense to nope. us nope uh, next one uh, if you are being stopped by the police maybe you are thinking they're wasting their time and then you could say has to blow this vibe and nick besser as so this is very, very sexually charged and very unpleasant. So do you have nothing better to do, you stupid woman? Uh, that's 500 euros for this. Fair enough. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious here, if you switch the gender and if you said, do you have nothing better to do, man, would you also be liable for this 500? Yeah, if you tell them just to, uh, if you call them a stupid fuck, do you get away with it? Uh, because you aren't using their gender <laughs> as, as discrimination as well. I want these theories tested, but I don't have the money to do this. <laughs> I mean, that's the question. What if you just, if you did it all in English? I mean, you've got to assume that it covered that area, but there is a, an element of me that this is suspicious about this in the sense that German laws are quite defined. Does it also say, if you say this in English, you will also be fined? Because then you you might have an out, you know, the English speakers might be able to, like, hmm. ritually insult each other or the police at any point and not have to worry about incurring sort of heavy penalties. But even then I wouldn't say do you have nothing better to do you stupid woman it seems like that's like if someone said that I'd be like good you've got a 500 euro fine you deserve that you shit <laughs> I mean yeah obviously when, when your insult goes to in this direction as an impulse you are a, a piece of shit you are a bad person if you decide mm. to hit someone with their gender as part of the insult so yeah I'm totally fine with 500 euros fines for that I like the idea of testing the theory, though. Uh, so the next one, I'm going to say one of the animal ones. I'm sorry, Nick. Was willst du, du Vogel? What do you want, you oh. bird? <laughs> uh, shout out to any It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fans out there. My favourite TV show of all time. And this is a joke that's always made to Dee, uh, one of the central characters, being called a bird. Uh, so if she was in Germany, she'd be protected. <laughs> you yeah. bird! Shut up, bird! Um, and she'd get five, 500. Well, she wouldn't get, but the people would be charged 500. So, uh, But yeah, again, the hierarchy of animal insults. It is fascinating. You haven't said stupid bird, fat bird. It's just, what do you want, you bird? So, so if bird is worse than pig... Mm-hmm. And bird and pig are worse than mm-hmm. cow. Okay. I feel a bit sorry for the cows, you know. They, they're they getting a raw deal here, they're right? dumb, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick up for the cows. Yeah. <laughs> um, up next, we have at sociale, which is uh, a term that you'd... Well, you won't hear the, the full term at sociale. You'll hear a- asi or asi. 
that's quite often see, um yeah. you'll hear this and it, it i guess it's it's somehow equivalent to the word chav in the uk in scotland you'd call them neds and it's to call someone antisocial doesn't seem like a particularly harsh fine but i guess it's the i wonder if you called a police officer in the uk a chav that they would just be like yeah you're right i do <laughs> i do <laughs> i do I do look like a chav, you're correct. I think they would probably laugh it off more than, than anything. And saying that, I looked at the, the laws for, for British um, insults, and it's kind of at the discretion of, of the British police officer. In the UK, if you insult a police officer, uh, the actual rule, I think, is along the lines of whether you are seen to be aggressive or somebody feels under threat. So if I said dumb cow or you bird or chav in a particularly aggressive way and they felt threatened and that's quite an interesting difference isn't it it's like i felt threatened you could just say you felt threatened because the person was being problematic or causing problems Uh, so it seems to me that like with the uk police it depends on the good mood of your policeman and also if you say something with a smile if you're like don't be a fucking dick and you're smiling then there's a good chance you'll be fine but if you get aggressive with it as you say then this policeman can suddenly stick you with that as well the other side of it obviously is like it's it's open to abuse isn't it certain groups bame groups for instance uh, police and falls heavily on people of color and and minority groups it can be used in a way that's like it's not the the, the punishment isn't meted out evenly for sure now uh, with this word asociala there is one really positive thing that I love about this. It is worn by, uh, as a badge of honour by certain parts of uh, culture here. And uh, even my beloved Schalke, they use it in one of their songs. And the song goes... That's excellent. I like the the sort of humour where it's there's a there's an element of like taking the piss out of yourself. <laughs> it's, it's one of the reasons I I sort of fell in love with Schalke. My first time in the stadium, <laughs> this song came on. Uh, I was like. They're calling themselves antisocial. Like that's interesting. <laughs> we schlaffen under Brooken. It's so good. Where do they sleep? And the wife's like, oh, under bridges. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is you. These are my people, by the sounds of it. This is not what you expect from the German Bundesliga. I think I'm falling in love with Schalke. <laughs> <laughs> it's the right thing to do, mate. Join the pot. <laughs> You've always got a bed in the Bahnhofsmission, then. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's nice. That's good to know. That's, that's always a place for me. Okay, next up we have Dir hat wohl die Sonne das Gehirn verbrannt. Just a nice idiomatic way of calling someone stupid. And the translation is, the sun must have burned your brain. And for this particular insult, you will be uh, fined 600 euros. Interesting. Interesting is an insult like that you have a sunburnt brain. Why, how can you get upset? by someone saying that to you like it's it's really it's really really weird but then the question is how did you get a sunburnt brain in the first place the brain is famously not uh, doesn't have access to the open air don't don't be looking for logic and idioms my man <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry i'll stop, I'll stop special <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing 
this is vitally important. I didn't know this because it was a possible like charge here, but ein Polizisten duzen. So if you're not up on your do versus z verb forms, now is the time to get that stuff well learnt, as using the informal do form with a cop can in fact land you a massive 600 euro fine. It's a fundamental one though, because it's like the duzen, sitzen question is, is obviously important and it's a sign of respect so i get i get it but it would i mean for me it's always i always forget the dynamic so i i i probably just automatically switch to english just to make sure that i didn't say anything that i shouldn't say because i'd hate to accidentally give be be, be slapped with a 600 euro fine because i because my german grammar is not very good <laughs> it's really, you work on those language courses it could save you a lot of money <laughs> Okay, well, next we've got Duholtzkopf, <laughs> Woodhead, uh, and that's 750 euros. That's wild, like, Woodhead, 750 euros. Don't you have a connection like, you... to Wood as well? Wasn't your nickname signed to do with Wood? It's nothing to do with a nickname. My brother, for some reason, just, he, he always said, Nicky's made of wood. I don't know why. It was just, I think it was just to annoy me when I was younger, and he's like, Nicky's made of wood. Back to birds now. Of course, yeah. Sagen. Uh, to show someone the bird would be the translation here. It's my favourite translation on the list. So in German culture, this is when you uh, take a finger and you tap the side of your head or even your forehead. And that is showing that that person, in your opinion, has birds in their brain. But it's just the gesture. You don't have to say anything. Just tapping the side of your head. So let's let's just run through the, the, the most expensive ones that we've got here. We've got um, Duvixer. Which is wanker? That's a thousand euros. Uh, so idiot or idiot. So idiot is actually more expensive than a wanker. Uh, One thousand five hundred. Next up, we have am liebsten würde ich jetzt Arschloch zu dir sagen. This one is perhaps the most deranged of of the choices. It translates as "I would love to say asshole to you now." It's like the <laughs> the hypothetical <laughs> suggestion that you might want to call somebody something. Yeah, so it's. I guess it's. I guess it's because again, it's a, a rule that came into effect because someone tried it. Mm-hmm. Like they went, I'm not. I can't call him Arschlock because I'll get a fine. But if I say I'd like to call you an Arschlock, <laughs> smooth one thousand six hundred. <laughs> no, he's like, he's like, guys, like I've got away with it. Ah, sixteen hundred euros worth of fines. Uh, next we have Schlamper. Uh, so I guess for for English people, slut. It's probably the best translation here. But yeah, 1,900 for slut in German. Fieses Miststuck, which is nasty piece of shit. Uh, (laughs) It's 2,500 euros. And here we've reached the pinnacle uh, of this list uh, and also of the animal hierarchy. Uh, So here we have Altersau, which is old pig. And that's 2,500 euros. Like, stupid pig... 475 mm-hmm. old pig 2500 so germany apparently taking age discrimination very seriously yeah <laughs> yeah don't mess with our geriatric pigs you know exactly <laughs> alter schwede sonic what's going to be your new go-to swear word for the next bout of road rage as an m-plate bmw flies up your ass flashing their lights i don't know i don't know which one i'm scared to i'm scared to 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 choose any of those none of those really the none of those resonate i think i'll just stick with my, some of my old more choice favorites like a good fuck you always works like that's always fine by me if that's not the catch line for this episode i don't know what it is <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, so following on from this list of possible charges you could get for using bad language with uh, traffic and the police, uh, we have an example here, and this comes uh, from 2018, so not necessarily uh, today, and it comes from infranken.de, uh, and the headline is Duzen vom Polizeibeamten kommt einem Paketzusteller teuer zu stehen. So this is the story of a Paketzusteller, a package delivery man, who ended up facing charges and being taken to court uh, for Duzen uh, of a Polizei, of using the do in formal form with a policeman. And this guy, it seems from the opening paragraph here, doesn't have much care for the legal system as a whole. Uh, so when he was given his charge and his penalty, he simply said, Ich muss nichts mehr sagen. Passion. Yeah, for the non-German speakers or the non-Franconians, uh, that's, I don't have to say anything. It's fine. Passion. Passion sometimes is the Franconian version for, it's fine. Don't care, basically. So this guy is a pretty cool local Franconian dude from my neck of the woods where I live. So how did he get into this situation? So this 23-year-old was driving his delivery truck and was stopped uh, in a random selection by the police. The first thing he said when he was stopped was that he didn't have any time, make up kind sight. So I imagine the police loved that. They then proceeded to ask him to produce his driving license and his documentation for the vehicle and insurance, etc. He refused. So that's, I guess, strike two for this young man. And then, <laughs> upon further questioning, he hit them with a uh, you are crazy. And we know from our previous conversation so far that could cost a little bit of money. Yeah, looking at the, the two options that the police could have possibly chosen for punishment, there's no animal-related insult, so we miss all, all of the exciting animal <laughs> phrases. But Klopter, I guess, uh, could fit into it. It's 250 euros. Or that could be woodhead maybe <laughs> maybe that's a bit too much 750 euros yeah or idiot which is 1500 and 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 i think possibly that's the one that they would be pushing for is a 1500 euro fine mm. which yeah i mean that's a lot of money already he's racking up the fines quickly here he's, he's going through them fast i mean so i think we can say at this point it's not really cooperating with the police uh he then decides to up it because uh, the engine's still running the police tried to get his keys from the ignition. He blocked them uh, physically by putting his hands over the keys. So at this point we're entering into obstruction of justice as well, which is a pretty serious charge. He then decided in for a penny, in for a pound, and he started to use the informal do form with these policemen and using their names. Uh, That's a 600 euro <laughs> fine right there, 600 euros already, so he's already crossed the threshold as 2,100 if, if we're punishing him to the maximum fines. I mean, this is a guy who's not earning a huge amount of money as a package sustainer, as a package delivery guy, so we're talking a, a lot of days work for now uh, if it does go wrong. Depending on the companies, and like, let's be honest, package delivery work is back-breaking, low-paid job and you're paid and often by these companies per packet so saying i don't have time and being frustrated you, you can understand why it doesn't mean that escape punishment because of it but you can understand why there's two things that are happening here though aside well there's another thing that's happening here aside from the fact that it's a delivery guy clearly he's franconian right <laughs> yeah well or he's he's lived here a long time with this dialect and so fr franconians are renowned uh, among the germans for being uh, sort of at least not monosyllabic they're definitely they choose their words carefully shall we say they're not often renowned for being particularly friendly or particularly warm by the standards of of other germans i mean that's the joke is that germans are quite cold anyway that's not 
been my personal experience, but certainly if, if we're talking about the coldest of the Germans, the, the, the Franconians are often stereotyped as that. Again, we have friends who are Franconian and they're pretty warm. Yeah, but, lovely people. But yeah, there's, so there's, there's these two, th- two, two factors going on and he's obviously under some, some time constraints and, and he's Franconian, which means he's probably going to be a bit abrupt with his communication. Neither of those things, I think, hold up as a as a reason, or I think the judge would have short shrift with those particular uh, reasons. But yeah, so I mean, obviously, the police aren't happy at this point. They're just trying to do a random traffic stop, and they've got a very uncooperative young man who's telling them all these kinds mm. of excuses. He then decides to start pointing things out about them. So one of these policemen was uh, shaking a little bit, or he accused the policeman of shaking with rage or with stress, and he said, "Das stimmt eigentlich nicht." <laughs> like something's not right uh, in the, his Franconian dialect and then he said when the police raised his voice just talk to me normally uh, so telling the police to effectively calm down yeah I don't have much experience but I imagine telling the police to talk to you normally doesn't normally go very well I've yet to see the phrase calm down ever <laughs> be effective in calming anyone down it's usually uh, it just escalates things we also have responsibilities as citizens to follow the laws like the laws don't just apply to some of us they I mean it's also his right to say screw the police I'll pay the fine and that seems to be what and in the end he's he's it's less than a thousand he's paying. Got, if he's got the money to pay it, then that's that's his prerogative, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure how much of uh, a value insulting the police over paying a thousand euro fines. But he got his name in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> he did indeed. He did indeed. <laughs> So we've talked a little bit about about policing. We've talked about fines for offences that you can commit towards the police or offensive language that will get you into trouble. We're moving on to a quite a, a tricky story in, in a lot of different ways coming out of the UK, which is, this is a story from theindependent.co.uk with the title, New Protest Laws Go Too Far and Are Not Needed, Police Commissioners Say. Association of Police and Crime Commissioners Raises Concerns as Protests Continue Over Controversial Bill. Now, those of you who have not been paying particular attention to what's happening in Britain or happened in Britain last week or over the last two weeks. Uh, there's been a lot of turbulence, uh, certainly since the announcement by the British government that they wanted to introduce a new uh, protest laws, essentially targeting groups like Extinction Rebellion, who are a kind of guerrilla protest movement that have caused a lot of disruption in the city of London. And this bill was been put before Parliament with... Uh, it's always... It's always telling how a bill is put before Parliament in the UK. If you put a bill before Parliament without time, it's a 300-page bill, which is, as you can imagine, it's a lot of pages. Uh, and if you put it before Parliament and then tend to debate it and, and then vote it through in, in two weeks, that's less time than is usually required for a bill of this size, especially one that's involving policing. And it's telling that the government did that. And that already creates a warning sign that you're trying to push through a bill without the full scrutiny of parliament now in germany people are complaining a lot that the government takes a long time and hell that, that's that's a fair complaint but in britain it seems like this was a this was a attempt to push through laws that weren't necessarily getting the full checks of parliament so the the bill itself has a lot of problems with it and it's not only the police commissioners that are complaining about it i read just before that there was 700 legal academics who've come out against it there are uh, various human rights groups and even uh, the bill has managed to bring together the divides of brexit with best for Britain pro-EU group 
and the pro-Brexit campaigner Richard Tice, who is the leader of the Reform UK party, which was formerly the, the Brexit party, came together in an open letter criticising the bill. And it takes something for for you to bring together these two disparate sides that have divided the UK for the last uh, four years. Yeah, so Simon, what what are your thoughts on the on this on this proposed bill and and the story around it? The whole thing is pretty scary. Uh, I think obviously I'm not going to be in a protest anytime soon in the UK, but it seems it's going to be harder for anyone who wants to protest anything and they're going to be much more at the uh, the whims uh, of the Home Office and others. I mean, human rights groups, as he said, have called this an all-out assault on our right to protest. Now, of course, the right to protest is a pretty essential thing to protect in a, in a democracy. And so it kind of just stinks of a shift towards a slightly more authoritarian government. It's easy to, to look across the sea at the moment and look at the, at the current government in the UK and think that there are some pretty nasty inclinations when it comes to policing tactics and things like that and i mean when people say this is designed to be against like black lives matter demonstrations or extinction rebellion obviously my mm -hmm. instinct is well what's wrong with those groups protesting obviously extinction rebellion have done a couple of things as nick mentioned that have caused travel disruption and the like in the uk um, but that is kind of the essence of successful protest unless you're making noise and disrupting things it's very hard to get your voice recognised and implement change, especially in a rather uncaring conservative government at the moment. In the face of Boris Johnson and his ilk, say, if you're not going to be noisy and disruptive, they're just going to ignore you. And what's the point then? Uh, protesting into the void. The, en the end of the matter is that we have groups like the Association of Police and Crime Commissioners have said they already have the laws they need. All this does is mm -hmm. lower the threshold at which they can do things. Mm -hmm. But that's still a very dangerous thing. Obviously, police need the ability to control protests when they are becoming dangerous or whatever, a threat to public safety. That has to be an option, but you know, this seems like it just makes it too easy to, to call something dangerous when it's not. The complexity of the story is, and it's it's not just the complexity of the bill, there's there's a few other strands that, that I think we'd have to address. The the murder of a young woman in London, Sarah Everard, that, that was has created a massive a massive reaction, especially among, among women in, in, in the UK not only because it, it's a story we've heard a hundred times a thousand times a million times before of a young woman simply walking down a street and then being attacked or and in this case murdered but it's also the fact that a metropolitan police officer was arrested and charged with her abduction and murder that is alone is terrifying that a metropolitan police officer and the meta scene is sort of the elite has been accused of this crime it wasn't helped that the weekend before the the debate on this particular bill a vigil for Sarah Everard held at Clapham Common was broken up by the Metropolitan Police with some quite shocking footage of police wrestling mourners to the ground and arresting them, which brought accusations of heavy-handed policing, as well as accusations that the Met were obstructive to organisers who were hoping to make sure the event was held safely given the expected numbers of mourners and the current pandemic restrictions. I think it's important that we understand that these that this is the background that's happening. So Simon, what are some of the parts of the bill that stand out for you that seem to be so draconian, so authoritarian? Yeah, I mean, draconian is definitely a nice word for what's going on here. 
Um, I mean, one of the key things is uh, the trespass law, which in principle, if you're a, a property owner especially, sounds like, oh yeah, strengthening the trespass law, that sounds wonderful. But the, the ugly truth of this is it allows designation of certain sites uh, to be policed more aggressively. But also it sort of handily ties into another community who are often targeted by the, by the police and by the government, and that's the traveller community. And this certainly strengthens their position to sort of a bit more aggressively move people on from sites they may be using so yeah it doesn't bode very well for that group uh, and their future dealings with the police and government the other side is sound pollution and this is a slightly weird one because as i've said if you want to really be successful in protests you need to be heard and it's something we see with the protests here in nuremberg which are very well policed very well organized uh, they march and you hear the chants and you get the message and this is important if you're not part of the protest you need to be educated on what it's about but it seems that uh, some of these things have been targeted almost at individuals in the UK the most interesting example of this if you watch BBC news or any sort of UK news dealing with politics you'll see conversations outside the House of Parliament and ever since Brexit happened there's been one guy in particular who held up signs and got into the back of shots for Sky TV, BBC News, etc., uh, and would shout statements that were pro-European. And he's been doing this now for over six years. Basically, as a one-man protest for a lot of the time. Sometimes he's joined by others, but if he wasn't joined, he would be there on his own protesting his arse off. If he breaks this rule on sound pollution, he can face a 10,000 fine individually, and also, I think there was a stipulation that the more people with him, he was also liable for another additional £200 fine per person. I don't really think this is a very effective thing to do, just screaming at news cameras. But the one thing he did that I love is that uh, the news groups decided the only way to stop him was to basically build like tower platforms so that he couldn't be in the back of the shot. And so they spent uh, together, I think, ten or 15,000 building these platforms as a group of uh, news journalists. And then he just spent maybe a tenner on a longer bit of wood. So his sign was extended. And so he would stand behind them just waving his flag, his signs uh, in the background. So he found a very good loophole to this. So I kind of respect his dedication to protest. Uh, what I thought I'd do, though, is since we, this is a podcast about Germany, was bring in the German side of, of things. Germany has a constitution, the Grundgesetz, and the rights of freedom of assembly are enshrined in Article 8 of the Basic Law, which is the Grundgesetz, uh, and which is, number one, all Germans shall have the right to assemble peacefully and unarmed without prior notification or permission, and two, in case of outdoor assemblies, this uh, right may be restricted or uh, pursuant to a law. What usually happens, though, is as long as you notify the, the relevant bodies 48 hours in advance, you can hold a protest. It's interesting that we're recording this weekend after a series of quite quite disturbing images out of Castle where there was a, a very large demonstration of those people who are opposed to the lockdown laws and COVID restrictions that are in place. Uh, 20,000 people. Now, again, I've complained about these people. I don't really think they're, they're fighting for any freedoms. I think they're fighting very much for their selfish ends and desire to go on holiday. They're not really, it's not about the economy. It's very, very selfish. But they have a right to protest. Like, I don't deny that right. I think if they follow the law and they're following the rules and they're following the restrictions that are in place over, then they have total right to. And and it's enshrined in the Grundgesetz. Britain doesn't have something like this. We don't have a written constitution in this way. And so it makes these sort of changes in the law very, very troubling. When Certainly when Germans think about protest, they often 
go back to a particular point in time, which is the to 2017 there in the Hamburg G20 summit, uh, and there was a large scale disruption. I remember watching videos of cars being on fire. Again, very troubling scenes. A lot of Antifa activity, and and it was a protest that suddenly became a riot, and that has had an effect on how um, Germans perceive a lot of protests. But again, protest is 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 protected uh, within reason. The police do have powers to. Uh, shut down protests but often you would see protests run what they do have in Germany they don't have in Britain which is interesting is water cannons I mean you just you mentioned before about about protests in Germany that you've seen uh, you, you suggested that they're quite orderly yeah I think I, I would describe them in Nuremberg uh, in oh god the city yeah, I yeah. live as, as generally being orderly I've not seen anything out of hand here but there is there are a lot of other cities that have a different relationship with protest um, so I mean, for example, mm. you had for his, the, the group Pegida, um, like their protests in um, I was going to call it Karl Marxstadt, but it's not called that anymore. What's Karl Marxstadt today? Uh, Chemnitz. Uh, so yeah, Pegida and other and groups like them having protests in cities like Chemnitz. Um, it's not impossible that you're not going to see some like some real neo-Nazi iconography or flags or or like Hitler Gruss, like the Nazi salutes, like there are places where right-wing groups are allowed to protest uh, and get their voice heard. And obviously I I don't want that shit on my streets. Um, So yeah, I I can't say that protest generally is a positive thing here in Germany, but from our experience in Nuremberg, uh, when I see unions, teachers groups, school children, using this protest and having organized protests done really really well uh, in a way that i think is effective as well um i think the city does handle it pretty well although a couple of weeks ago we had the kvedenka uh, group protesting uh, in the park around the corner from me uh, and they were marching past my house banging drums and i wasn't very sympathetic <laughs> to them because they really ruined my evening <laughs> you don't have to be sympathetic to to these groups but i think it's it's a right that we have if we're unhappy with the way the government works mm. and to attack it in this way or at least go after it in, in the way that the british government seemed to be going after it it just seems incredibly disturbing uh, the, the thing that stood out for me among all the other things it's what these laws mean in the future there's an element of it that allows pretty patel or a home secretary in the future should this bill pass through parliament she can change the meaning of what serious disruption is by statutory instrument which means that they don't have to go through parliament she can just on a whim change what serious disruption means and shut Mm. down protests find that a lot of power to put in the hands of people who yeah i don't think are necessarily ethical i I think it's a really key point Mm. there that they've added these sort of nebulous unquantifiable unmeasurable things Mm. so we have here that if it causes serious distress distress can't really be measured serious annoyance again annoyance can't really be measured serious inconvenience impossible to measure or serious loss to amenity like you can maybe measure footfall there but generally speaking these are all a matter of opinion mm-hmm. and if the government's the one deciding when this kicks in uh, it's pretty terrifying i'm really worried about what the the ramifications could be if this law is put in uh, with the current government I mean, we have police chiefs saying that maybe if these rules are put mm. in, we won't use them. Uh, and that is not going to make me calm down. 
I mean, it's not a perfect world in Germany, despite all these quite quite clear laws and and checks and balances. I think back to the Black Lives Matter protests in Germany, a disturbing story that came out of Hamburg, where mm. a group of young black German activists were basically kettled, and then all, thirty of them, I think, were arrested. None of them were charged. Uh, and then I look at the predominantly white protests yesterday in Kassel, and they're just doing what they want. The restrictions mm. weren't uh, met, and and it was I was seeing a lot of stuff on social media where pe- police were being asked, "What? Why didn't you do something?" And, oh, there's too many people, and it's like, well, I have a feeling that if the demographic of the protesters was slightly different, you would have a very different perspective on it, you, and and I think that's that's something that troubles me a lot. Certainly, reading uh, Black German communities' tweets and and following the people that I follow. You, they're making it very clear that this this protest is the the protests are very different when the demographics are different, and I think that's something you have to think about. The hand of the law doesn't always fall on you in the same way. I mean, obviously, we always talk about 1984 like it's the default reference, but it, it certainly it's, it's certainly heading that direction with this kind of legislation being suggested. So yeah, hopefully this can disappear. But uh, yeah, Germany showing a slightly better approach, having it a protected right and meaning there is administration to be done, uh, rules to be followed, and it's a clear framework. We'll see what comes next. We're now moving on to when we talk about offence, certainly when we talked about the fines imposed for offending or for, for using swear words to the police or to treating them with any level of disrespect, you have to at some point start talking about swearing. And swearing is a, a rather, it's a, it's a funny topic in Germany. So this is from prosieben.de, which is a TV channel in, in, in Germany. And the title of the article is Aus Klein mach noch kleiner. Get the fuck out of my house. Auf Prosieben mit Promi Faktor. And this this is a story about a TV show. A hundred people are being invited into a house with the possibility of winning a hundred thousand euros. Uh, the show is called Get the Fuck Out of My House. The fuck is cleverly disguised. It's actually Get the F out. The f- out of my house and this is a show starting in april 9th 100 candidates move into a little house with uh, 63 square meters of living space there's various competitions and games will lead to the reducing the number until there's a final victor well this is season two uh and this is is season two sorry right okay yeah and so this is why you have mid mid promi factor at the end of the headline here so for the first time there are going to be celebrities uh, included in this 100 people. Oh, God, they must be scraping the bottle of the barrel to get 100 celebrities in there. Oh, the, God. A lot of people have been unemployed through the crisis, mate. I think there was probably a large line of celebrities willing to do this. And we're not talking 100 people in a house designed for 100 people. This isn't some fancy hotel uh, in, in the Schwarzwald or something. This is a 63 quadratmeter, a, a 63 square meter apartment. So with the show, obviously my ears pricked up when I saw it being announced for season one because the moderator, who is quite famous, uh, his name is Thor Schulemann, suddenly appeared in an advert and he was like, hey, coming next week, get the fuck out of my house. And I was like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It's like five o'clock in the afternoon. They're advertising the show with him saying fuck loudly and proudly a lot of the german swear words uh, that we learn along the way or are taught along the way are quite dangerous things to use they're much more seriously taken than english swear words obviously native speakers well you can get fined for this a is it like, yeah <laughs> whereas i pepper my language with profanity because 
I like swearing. It makes me feel good. But yeah, when I hear swearing from a German when they're using English swear words, this means one of two things. Either they're really cool and they've adapted to our culture and they've learned how to swear correctly, or they just want to swear because they know it's sort of a little bit taboo. And this is what they've done here. This show does not have to be called Get the Fuck Out of My House. So... Nick, when, when I told you about the show, what was your first reaction? I mean, I wasn't surprised. What you find in Germany a lot of the time is swear words, certainly English swear words, are used almost without any controls. Mm. And and it creates a lot of upset in native speakers rather than, I think, in, in native German speakers. And native English speakers will often be up very upset to hear a swear word in a place they did not expect to hear them. A meeting, for instance, or on the television. But we come from a country where if you say even the mildest of swear words on the radio or on television, certainly on the BBC, instantly the presenter will go, oh, we do apologise to Mm -hmm. the audience for for letting you hear that. So hearing a a swear-laden song at seven o'clock in the morning while you're eating your muesli (laughs) is a little bit of a shock uh, for anyone. Or one of the most common examples is the phrase shitstorm, which is just the, the word used for any political crisis mm. is usually shitstorm and it is used without any qualms or any controls uh, so swearing in english is is kind of uh, a daily occurrence the use of, of fucking get the fuck out of my house is trying to look cool yeah. trying to look edgy exactly yeah it's hitting the youth demographic they think people will hear this and be shocked like they will be listening mm. to this advert obviously it's pretty funny when you hear him like start but common by get the fuck out of my house it's it, there is something awkward in a way to watch and I, I i was interested for sure and i've thought about the show a lot ever since whenever i hear profanity on tv i'm always like do you remember when <laughs> that show called get the fuck out of my house yeah just bizarre but yeah i know from what i've seen of tor Sherleman, i think he speaks pretty good english so yeah. he knows what he's doing he's not some like innocent person mm-hmm. who's just reading the teleprompter uh, he knows he's using a word that you shouldn't really use. I was impacted deeply by my experiences of, of watching Billy Connolly. And I've always sort of adhered to his policy. He swore with uh, wild abandon in, in some of the most beautiful ways possible. Mm. He's always accused of having a limited vocabulary because he swore so much. But swearing is a sign of limited vocabulary. And he would always point out, well, actually... I know lots and lots of swear words and ways of using swear words. And and that's how I've always sort of, I've bought into that very early on as a little kid. And I've never, I've never had a problem with swearing. I just <laughs> never have. And I, I'm usually the one who swears the most on the podcast, right? I usually the one who who's happy to drop f bombs and I have to ask Greg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, what my my brother edits the podcast and he sent us a message a few months ago and he said, "Oh, it's got a bit sweary," you know. <laughs> and I hadn't really noticed because it's just part of my vernacular is to just pepper the language with casual swear words has never been an issue, but it is an issue for a lot of people, especially around children. And I think also like for 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 native speakers who English speakers who are listening to us. I, th- I think it would be pretty surprising if they're offended by two British people speaking the way British people speak. Uh, and for the Germans listening, like I think one of the, the, the reasons that you might be listening to us is the fact that we are very genuinely British. Uh, the way we communicate is, uh, from the comments we've had at least, well-received. Because, yeah, we're not swearing with anger. Where When we use these words, it's often... Uh, actually quite in a positive way but, but <laughs> if i'm in a meeting with someone for work and they they start talking about the fucking report 
I would find that a mm. little bit it's unprofessional in that respect or I did a thread mm. on Twitter about about the best bits of German language and someone uh, one of the guys had posted uh, the phrase later bitches and I've heard that before I've heard people leave meetings and go oh, later bitches if somebody said that to us I would have to what? like my responsibility <laughs> as an English and intercultural trainer would be to stop them and go you can't say that it is it is just not appropriate yeah. so there is times and places where and professionalism is, is certainly in English is is usually not peppered with large amounts of swear words and I remember being in the US and being told off for swearing too much and I was just like get like come on freedom of speech right you nearly said get to fuck didn't you <laughs> yeah yeah I was really wanted to say get because that's usually my response to a lot of these things when somebody was policing my language I'll usually just go get to fuck like I, I rarely have time for in out in the world if I'm shopping and I go oh I fucking hate that shirt and someone goes oh you need to stop swearing I will be like oh you've just given me license to swear more because I'm not going to have you police my language but I think is is my role with within work it's important to point out out to people if they choose to swear that that's their prerogative but i do inform them that this is how it's perceived in lots of different countries and cultures certainly mm. in the u.s and certainly among the the, the, the um, british businesses it's not so common and these are things like especially if you're a non-native you need to have experience of the community or the culture you're using these swear words with because it it's really easy to use them in a way that sounds unnatural or weird and is really jarring um, using the wrong word with the wrong person in a way that feels kind of mm. British or whatever. Like the, we've got some some people in our circle, and occasionally they swear, and it's just like, oh my god, that's mm. just grating. Like, uh, feels aggressive. It comes off as not feeling that friendly. Um, so yeah, it is a dangerous game uh, for experts. Well, there's only, not this levels say. of swears, right? So something like bloody, mm. oh, that's bloody terrible. Like that's like the lowest, most menial. But some people are offended by that. This crap. But then it's things like bugger and wanker, right? Wanker is like a solid word. Twat. Like I have no problem. Like these are the words that are so it's like gone off the rails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, script. guys. This is, I'm doing. I'm doing my. I'm doing my um, George George Carlin impression by by going through all the swear words. But like so so there's lots of swear words that are just every day. Like if I do something stupid, I've got uh, like we've got a friend who will go, "Are oh, you stupid twat?" Because like that's just. it's just a way of of reinforcing how dumb I've been but like there's a word that we very are very careful with that we don't use and I'm not going to use on the podcast because I don't think (laughs) it's about to light up (laughs) yeah don't worry you're you're like about to panic there like a C-bomb right and if you don't know what a C-bomb is Google it because I'm not going to say it but like that's reserved for very particular situations like it's quite shocking but if you're in Germany and and, and people sometimes will say like there's a reason to use that word and there's a tone of voice in the way that you use it and often mm-hmm. that tone of voice is missed like if you said it to me I wouldn't expect it to, to be serious about it like if you used it with any level of aggression I'd be like whoa what have I done to Simon but there's, there's people we know who have just mm-hmm. dropped that in a, in a conversation because I dropped a fork on the floor mm-hmm. and they go oh you stupid C-bomb and you're like calm down <laughs> like what did you do I mean yeah it's tone of voice right tone of voice is the issue yeah the phrase I guess I always think of is to put some stink on it like you can say all these words with a smile mm-hmm. and then they work there's a lot of versatility a lot of flexibility especially for British swearing I just want to give people a little heads up that it is not always going to be as natural as you might think your English might be very very strong and yeah using the wrong word at the wrong time can can really stand out 
but yeah spend some time with british people listen to us further and you'll pick up uh, the rules as we go i'm sure yeah listen to listen, <laughs> listen to these two bellends and you'll have an excellent experience <laughs> Davos, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening, and thanks to many of you who've been spreading the word about the podcast. Much appreciated. If you want to share, feel free to tag us in your post or simply use the hashtag decadesfromhome, all lowercase, and we'll give you a shout-out on the next episode, as well as gaining our eternal respect. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at Decades From Home, you can tweet me at 40% German, you can also get us on 40%German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday, as ever. All that's left to say is thank you and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss! I have no idea if anyone is listening to these bits at the end of the podcast. Since no one mentions them, I assume I do them for my own enjoyment. Since Simon isn't here to police my swears, I can freely say all my favourite swear words in one go. Here goes. Thunder Armchair Knuckle Grenade Spherical Waffle Trumpet Thingamabout Leather-faced jar, guy bumper, and finally Womble. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. I feel so better. <laughs>